Welcome to season one of the Overcomers Podcast. We are going to talk to you about overcoming adversity and living your dreams. If you've ever struggled, this is for you. We're going to talk to you about such struggles as drug addiction, relationship struggles, parenting struggles, incarceration, being displaced from your home. We're even going to touch on things such as sexual assault, or even if you just struggle with finding your purpose, finding your passion, being part of a community, this is for you. Like I said, if you've ever struggled, this is for you. So welcome to the Overcomers Podcast, where we're going to help you to overcome the adversities of life and live your dreams. Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy, CT. I'm Travis Barnes. And I'm Cindy Barnes. And we're the founders of Journey 333 and the founders of the Overcomer Podcast, which is sponsored by Journey 333. Now that's a lot of threes. So that's all about fitness, coaching, and nutrition, helping you to look better, live better, feel better. And it's a place of mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right. We have a personal friend, uh, just an awesome colleague in the fitness industry, amazing human being coming on the show today. It's Mark Fisher. He is the owner of Mark Fisher Fitness. He's an international presenter. He's a business coach, has a really cool company called Business for Unicorns. We can't wait for you to meet him. So Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for being on the show. You know, Mark, I know you're on a tight schedule. You're always busy going places, doing things. In fact, I'd like to just get packed in your suitcase sometimes because you have some amazing adventures. Today, I wanted to share with people because we like to go through the background. We like to uh, interview people such as yourself who have taken a journey, who have taken a journey. Your journey came from being an actor before you were a fitness business owner, right? I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, I think we've, we've tried to become actors after being a fitness Yeah, <laughs> we're still trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not too late. Not too late, friends. We're doing a lot of, we do a lot of improv, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, we're uh, getting better. Yeah, we are. Right. I think we're coming along. <laughs> Back to you, Mark. So can you tell us a little bit about the journey that led you into, from, you know, theater? You were maybe going to go to being a Broadway star. And then instead you said, well, something else is very comparable as being a fitness business owner. Yeah, I'll tell yeah, right. I'll tell you the short version, which is, you know, like many people that want to be a professional actor, I knew that taking care of my body was something that was going to matter. I like also many other people that were into particularly musical theater. I was not somebody that was naturally into sports or athleticism or training. So I came into fitness as somebody that had a specific aesthetic goal that did not feel particularly interested in physically exerting myself, right? So I was not one of those people that came into the industry because maybe I played sports, maybe this was something I always enjoyed and I love being active and I love the way it makes me feel and all that stuff is great and I got there, but that was not how I got into this industry. So throughout my 20s, after I had moved to New York City, I was very, very into fitness and I continued to study and practice fitness in a very rigorous way. I slowly built up a clientele base and this was awesome and presented a lot of challenging challenges rather new york city has a lot of people that are trainers that are like kind of do some acting and have a lot of people that are actors that like kind of do a little bit of training and i think i was in a slightly rarer bucket where i was really truly pursuing both of those and the thing that made that very fraught, it was very challenging for me is throughout my twenties, I found myself slowly getting more and more into fitness because I'm very enthusiastic. So I 
loved it a whole lot. And as I was doing shows, I started training my friends and slowly it was dawning on me that I really liked to just do the fitness thing. And at a certain point, what wound up happening was I did a national commercial. So for those not familiar, when you do a national commercial, you get a lot of money. So this one, I did an all state commercial and mm-hmm. was 2010. I think that summer alone, I made $20,000. I probably made 45 grand off one day. So I was an actor. <laughs> so at this point, I don't think my tax returns had said over $40,000 a year by this point in my life. So when I got 20 grand in one summer from one day, I decided, all right, well, now I'm going to be a, now I'm going to be a TV film actor. I decided I'm going to stick in town. And what's interesting about that distinction is, at least in theory, it was allowing me to focus more strongly on one particular part of the acting profession. But the other thing it did was it allowed me to really unleash some latent entrepreneurial passions because I loved fitness. And since now I was going to be in town indefinitely because a lot of my 20s, I was working, but I was often leaving town to work in regional theater. Since I was now in town, I was like, all right, well, you know, let me just like kind of see what's going on with this fitness thing. I really, really love it. And I had been a student of the game for a long time. I think I had some natural aptitudes and I had already been reading a great deal about things like marketing and branding and making offers and sales. So that's kind of how Mark Fisher Fitness was born. And then a very short period of time to finish up our story here, the business really started to take off. And at a certain point, my my dear friend, who I was calling my non-sexual life partner, Michael Keeler, my friend from high school, from my community theater group, convinced me, uh, manipulated me into starting an actual adult business because at that time I saw a very nice life for myself as a solopreneur. I was going to, you know, make like low, maybe multi six figure incomes. I go to Europe in the summer. I act like not a bad life. I was, that felt like this is good. I'm good with this. But Michael overcame a lot of my concerns about having a real business, which I knew was going to mean things like understanding real estate and dealing with payroll tax and all the other things that are not sexy. And now I'm so glad he did because within a very short period of time, literally within six months of deciding to like, maybe I'll try acting a little bit. I had like told my agents, I'm not auditioning anymore. We hired trainers, we got a lease. And then as we always say, we accidentally opened up a strange gym. So that's sort of the journey, how acting led to a gym. Yeah, but you know, looking back, it's, it's so amazing how certain parts of your life prepare you for the next step and you're not even realizing. Because I've been to Mark Fisher Fitness. I've seen this man present. We've been co-presenters. He's an amazing, amazing person. And what a great way to have your business represent yourself. When we've gone to Mark Fisher Fitness, oh my God, did we have a blast or what? (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, very different. But they say a business reflects you, right? You know, so Cindy and I, rising from the ashes, start our business on a uh, from a FEMA trailer on an unemployment check after a decade of incarceration. Of course, we have the Phoenix as our logo. We're rising from the ashes, right? And when you go to Mark Fisher Fitness, I mean, it's theater. Yeah. I, I mean, it's theater. I mean, there are, I think that, I don't know, do you hire from the theater? Uh, your business truly represents who you are. Can you can yeah. you talk a little bit about as you were casting your vision and creating Mark Fisher Fitness, what you decided, how you were going to be different. Cause that's very important for a business. If you want to be totally. a business, you have a goal to be the same, have a goal to be right. you. Especially right? in New York city where yeah. there's like said, tons of trainers, sure. tons of fitness centers. I mean, they're on every corner. So for you to open up in the city uh, and make it super successful, like you have, you had to be unique and different. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. So for listeners that are not familiar with Mark Fisher Fitness, uh, I assume maybe the, the website will be in the show notes and I would encourage you to just go take a, a sneak peek because it is a very unusual place. We call our clients ninjas. Our mascot is the unicorn. It's a very colorful place. Um, and that was by design. I think one of the things that was helpful about where I was in my life when I started Mark Fisher Fitness is I think I was just old enough and I was just young enough. I was just old enough that I had had my ass kicked thoroughly by life. And I had really had a lot of challenges and years of struggling and stress and anxiety as an actor. So I think that was very useful. I think I had, I was an adult. I was a grown man by this point. I was already I think 30, 31 when I really started MFF. So I really knew who I was at this point. I had finally developed after literally 30 years, I think some comfort in my own skin and a sense of like, here's my values, here's what matters to me. And I was young and eager enough that I didn't really quite know what I was getting into, which was also useful too. So I knew like just enough to be dangerous. And I'm really glad I didn't know anymore because I'm not actually the most risk-friendly person. So actually, if I didn't know what I was getting into, I might not have done it, but it actually worked out great. So I'm glad I did. Um, as far as how that vision was cast, I think another thing that was unusual and was helpful was because my business partner, Michael, had spent his career in the arts nonprofit. I myself had a background, obviously as an artist for many years. So it just made sense to us, well, if we're gonna start a business, the first thing we need to do is get very clear on what is the vision of the business? Yeah. What is the mission and what are our values? So we literally, that was literally the first thing we did was we got together and did a full two-day meeting. He brought his projector from his corporate job to my apartment in Astoria, Queens, and he did a PowerPoint and we literally just puzzled out all of these things, which really were the baby pictures. And in many ways really did hold true 10 plus years later. Now, a lot of what we thought of in that initial meeting was is still very true about what Mark Fisher Fitness is, what Mark Fisher Fitness still aspires to be. Now, I would note briefly, this also all worked because we were already making money. Right? We already had proof of concept because one of the things I will say, and this is interesting because Travis, you know, like on the tour, oftentimes I speak about culture and I speak about values. And these things are very, very important. And it's also very important that you have a product that people want to buy, that you know how to market and sell. <laughs> so, so I would note that on the one hand, we did all that stuff before there was really a business. But on the other hand, I knew that I had a business there because I knew people were really buying this thing that I was selling and the product was good. Mm. You know, uh, I do encourage the listeners to go to the website. We will put it in the show notes. One of the first things I saw, and I'm not sure if this is still on the website, I haven't been there recently. But when I showed up on the website, it said right across the front page, uh, what they call above the fold, it said, because we actually give a shit, you know, like that yeah. was in there. And, yeah. and so I can identify with that, like, you know, because I started my fitness career in 1996 and it was at a big box gym and, you know, 80% of the income came from members that didn't show up. So when I saw that on your website, I'm like, yeah, that's a very bold statement, but that is actually something that resonates with me because that was the goal of the journey. When you and Michael got together and said, hey, this is how we're going to make fitness different. What were some of your goals? Because I mean, you walk in there and I mean, I feel very entertained in your environment. And obviously you have a goal to care for your people because that's a bold statement on the website. You know, what were some of your goals as to how you were going to make fitness different? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because on the one hand, I actually think I have zero creativity. Uh, certainly 
I'll speak very briefly because I know this wasn't isn't what you're asking, but when it comes to the business model and the actual, so many things we do, the mechanics of running the business, for the most part, I've just looked at what successful people are doing and then done that, right? Like, so, and even from a program design perspective, you look at the fitness, it is boring shit, right? Which is really all most people need anyway. But it's interesting because I think from the business model and the program design, there's nothing remotely innovative about Mark Fisher Fitness. I think we just do the basics unusually well. I think it's the brand and the experience that is a little bit different. And how I often describe that is I want to create joy and confusion. I want to create joy and confusion. There's something about smashing into people's expectations of what a gym is brings me great delight to play with that. I also, I'm very interested in juxtaposition. There was something I've always been very, I, an impish mischievous desire to play with the, this concept, particularly my, the corner of fitness I came from, which is very much about like iron and steel and chains and muscle and sinew and sweat and strength and <clears throat> kettlebells and iron, right? And I really want to marry that with pink and unicorns and glitter and rainbows, right? And there's something about putting that together that I can't, that's so unusual and so compelling to me. And I think that is a lot of, I think, Mark Fisher Fitness's ethos. Because ideally we, again, our tagline is ridiculous humans, serious fitness. I want those things, right? I want a drag queen that knows how to deadlift. Right. I want both of those things together. Um, and admittedly, I think you mentioned briefly about how one casts, which we can talk about if that's of interest, because it, it's challenging, right? No doubt. That's a unique, uh, I think, combination of things we're looking for. But I think that's really what's worked for us, right? And I think even if you look at, you know, a, there's a marketing tenant, which I ascribe to, um, called the three uniques. And this comes from Gino Wickman's EOS traction system. And the, the tenant, which I fully subscribe to, is that nothing is new, everything, we're in a postmodern era, but are you able to combine things in a different way? And I think for us, I think we have combined this very, I think hopefully kind, welcoming, inclusive, like heart centered, forgive me that it's like a precious phrase, but that's I think really what it is, customer service yeah. with like rigorous fitness, deep understanding of biomechanics, of physiological load, understanding how inputs create outputs, uh, and then like ridiculous humanity. And then gonzo, someone runs in a banana being chased by somebody completely naked. And then you just like shrug. And you're like, all right, well, let's go back to deadlifts. Everyone back to your pushups. Let's really see those scapula protract. And there's something about that soup to me that I find so interesting. Um, and I think from a marketing perspective, yes, it differentiates. It definitely becomes memorable. People remember the Looney Tune Unicorn Gems. So that's a large part of branding, right? Top of mind awareness. People just need to know you exist, one. And then secondly, painful to admit this, need to remember you exist. A lot yeah. of places just, you can't, you maybe know they exist and then you kind of forget about them afterwards because there's nothing particularly memorable, right? And while I'm the first to admit, I think it's only in the past 18 months we've really mastered. I wouldn't even say we've mastered, but I think we've gotten good at sales and marketing, but we were very good from day one is what's called like purple cow marketing, which is to say, no one remarks about a brown cow, but if you see a purple cow, you're gonna tell your friends like, it's a purple cow over there, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, uh, well, I was gonna, um, when the pandemic happened, you, you weren't, um, Virtual, right? You were just no. in-house, right? Yes. So you did some pivoting 
um, when that all happened. Are you open back up now? No. <laughs> still. Oh. Still. So you're, so you're still virtual. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I, we opened back up for our semi-private training, our small group training. Okay. So we closed in March, like everybody in the world. Yeah. We opened back up for small group in September. So it was like nine months later. And then we will finally, they just announced New York City will allow capacity, will allow us to open up classes. In theory, tentatively, if this even happens, July 1st. Oh, so geez. it will have been, I mean, I, I don't know how many months that is. It's like, that's, that's a lot. It's like yeah. Yeah, 15 wow. months or something. Wow. Yeah, it's a long time. So yeah, so we went totally online for our classes. We had the good fortune of it went very well, right, better than we had any right to expect. Um, I'm very grateful for that. I think this is an interesting thing where I'll say, because I know this is, this is about overcoming as the topic of this podcast. One thing that's very interesting is in this particular moment, as of the time of this recording, I have no idea what's going to happen. I assume, I assume our online uh, revenues, which right now is most of our business, we have, we have more online clients than we've ever had in one clubhouse as class members, right? It's a massive business for us. I assume <laughs> that business is also going to completely tank in the next two to three months. And that is terrifying. And because I just went through this thing at this point, I'm like, bring it on. I'll figure it out. Do whatever you need. Clo cl light the, the clubhouse on fire. I'm going to figure it out. No matter what happens, I'm going to make this work. Um, I want to say right now, I'm particularly caffeinated and rested. So that is truly how I feel. I want to also acknowledge there's days where it doesn't feel like that, where I'm like, I don't want to do this again. I just completely remade the whole business. And now I have to do the whole thing all over again. Um, but listen, we don't get to choose the hand we're, we're dealt. And the, I think the past year and a half has definitely taught me a lot about a different gear I didn't know I had. I sense perhaps I had it there, but it's one thing to sense that you can really pull through when the chips are down. It's another thing to be like, oh, wow, I did it. Holy crap, I did it. Um, and there's something about having done that that is giving me a lot of like, like kind of, honestly, like an aggressive confidence going into this where I'm like, I don't care, figure it out. I know how to make good things and sell good things. I'll yeah. acquire and I'll fulfill. I'm great at those things yeah. and how I do it, I'll figure it out based on what my constraints are. Well, you have, an, you have a wonderful mindset. You have a wonderful mind. Uh, I've heard this quote before, and it was when a person was asked what helped them to overcome the obstacles of life, they said the other obstacles. Right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. like there's a strength that's been developed in your past and that was developed during this pandemic that will help to secure your future, right? So regardless of what comes your way, you have that resiliency factor and you have that strength that's been developed. You've developed those muscles. Any other challenges that you'd share with our viewers as you've taken your journey through the theater into the world of being a fitnesspreneur, uh, you know, being a business coach, uh, you know, if you have any challenges, because this show, as you said, is about overcoming. Yeah. Uh, you know, what has been your biggest challenge aside from the pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard. I'm not sure this is necessarily like the biggest challenge of my life, but it certainly ranks up there. And I think that was coming to an understanding that acting as a career was not going to give me the life that I wanted was very difficult and very painful and slow, I think, self-discovery. So by the time I was nearing 30, of course, which is a big milestone for many people, it was clear to me that 
first of all, my career specifically was not going the way I really would have wanted it to, to give me the lifestyle that I needed. And the thing that was interesting is as you get old, things change. And even a few years prior to that, when I was in my mid, even my late twenties, I had essentially taken a vow of poverty and I was okay with living a bohemian lifestyle. I was an artist. I was doing what I loved. I made a shitty, but a living as an actor. And I was proud of that. And I loved what I did. And I loved my community. I loved show folk. And there was so much about that life that i loved that I was cool with it. But you start to get older and things start to change. And I realized there were certain things I wanted out of my life that number one, my current career trajectory is not going to allow for. And then number two, quite frankly, even if you are incredibly successful as a Broadway performer, by this point in my life, particularly once I started studying entrepreneurship and I started looking through the lens of the other options available to me, it started to feel like, well, I don't know that, I feel like I'm buying the drinks for the Tony Award winning stars when we go out to the bar. Like, I don't know if this is actually what I want. Um, and again, that's not to say that, you know, this, I'm not putting a value judgment to say that the other one is wrong because certainly uh, part of me, part of my inner challenge was feeling like, am I selling out? right? If I'm being honest, this isn't what I want anymore. And a lot of that, here was the particular thing that I had to solve. The, the belief was getting in my way was I was so identified with this self-identity that I had adopted as a, as a human. I am an actor. That's what I do. I'm an actor, right? And there's, this is how I express myself that to consider another identity was very dissonant and very jarring. And the particular bugbear was, am I letting down my mentors? Mm. That was the hardest part for me was believing truly that I had, and it's interesting now because I, I, I like to think, and Travis, you'd be a better judge than I, that I can express some of these particular specific idiosyncratic uh, things about me as a speaker. Yes, you can. And I do think I, you know, like any artist, I'm the only version of, the, of my art that the world's going to get. So there was this sense of, I had all these mentors that really believed in me and really, express the belief in my, you know, and I hope this doesn't sound vainglorious, my like singular talent, the unique skills that I had that I brought to the craft. And for a long time, it felt I was really letting them down. And that really, I don't want to say held me back because it was only a few year period. And I think it's perfectly normal that, that happened, but it wasn't until I think I let myself, I, I freed myself of that not helpful belief system and came to really believe in my bones. What I intellectually knew to be true is that's not what my mentors want. My mentors did not want me to get stuck in one thing. They want me to be happy. <laughs> they want me to express my talents and my gifts with the world in a way that satisfies me, that brings me joy, that I have fun, and that hopefully helps other people in some meaningful way. And I think, frankly, the fitness entrepreneur slash speaker thing I fell into allows me to do that in ways that or maybe not better, but they're certainly different. And certainly for me at this point in my life, far more satisfying and fulfilling than I would have been able to do playing a classical musical theater leading man in Albuquerque, New Mexico at a regional theater. And again, I want to be very clear. I'm not dismissing them. I'm not saying that's a bad way to go. But the other thing that I think made fitness this puppy that just kept tugging my heart was as much as I believe adamantly in the importance and the value and the transformative power of art. The fact of the matter is as a professional actor in New York city, it was not as if I was choosing to only do Brecht, right? I was not doing, you know, work that was like always changing people's lives. I went where the gigs were, right? I had to go where the money was. And part of what I like about being an entrepreneur is having more freedom, right? I think people that choose entrepreneurship, which has many challenges are people that have a rage 
to master and a rage for freedom. And ultimately it did allow me, as I mentioned, I just feel like I can self-express better this way than I actually was allowed to do in a career that other people might at a glance consider to be more artistic. I have found more creativity, more self-expression through what I've done with my career in fitness than I was able to as an actor. Wow. This is so, so good. This is so deep. And you started off with a journey of self-discovery. And then you took us on this path to where you were thinking that you are what you do, right? Yeah, and right. this is, I'm a big Wayne Dyer fan and he talks about the ego versus the authentic self. See, life doesn't always work out exactly how we think it will, how we picture it, but it does, I believe, work out how it's supposed to. And I can see how your theater career prepared you to be. Mark, if you are not the best presenter I know, you are one of the best. And I will say this, it's always been an honor uh, to share the stage or just be part of any organization that was recruiting presenters. And I'm like, Mark Fisher's here. I'm going to love it, you know, because uh, enjoy it. I enjoy it. I've learned from you. And I know that what prepared you to make the impact that you make when you're on any stage is your previous theater life. I, I know that you're there, you know, hundred so, percent. I just want the listeners to make sure that they're picking up on this because if you feel like you are what you do, you're not. You may do what you do because of who you are, but you're not what you do. And you're not what other people think of you. Mark had another little conflict that happens with ego, which is where we are what other people think of us. So he was worried about letting down his mentors. And so you are not what other people think of you either. That's, that's an important thing to let go of. How would you encourage listeners that may have to say goodbye to a dream or may have to go on a journey of self-discovery to really pursue maybe more of what they're meant to or, or more of who they are, uh, you know, steps, strategies, mantras, quotes, things to think of, uh, you know, what would you give to our listeners? Yeah, the first thing I would say is that is such a central human challenge. This is no small feat, I think, to pull that off. I think if you are in a place where you can, I think making the intellectual discernment that you are not on the right path could be relatively simple if you essentially just do a zero-sum analysis which is to say, if you start your life over tomorrow, and there are, a lot of, there are a lot of, I think, coaching questions around that, like what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail, right? If you could start your life over today and free yourself from the shackles of who you were and who you've had the habit of being, what would you do knowing what you know now, right? Because to some extent, I think all of us, and this is, again, this is human nature. We build a life, we build a world, and there are things that are good about that, but we can also get stuck in grooves and patterns that, Maybe we want to outgrow, but we just have so much inertia and so much, we have so much momentum going that certain direction. So I think considering zero sum, what you want your life to be, if you truly had a magic wand is helpful. I think asking that question, what would you do if you knew for sure you were not going to fail? Um, and I think the, it's interesting because last night I actually gave, I gave the virtual keynote for Phylax last night, and it was actually on the topic of being unapologetic for yourself. And the, there were a few frameworks that we explored. And one of those frameworks is, I think, relationship with mortality. So the Stoics said, memento mori, remember you must die. And I realize that sounds heavy, but one of my favorite quotes is that the purpose, the purpose of personal development is deathbed clarity while you're still alive so you can do something about it. And I think when you look at your life through the lens of your deathbed, you have clarity, 
You, it becomes very clear what matters to you. It becomes very clear who matters to you. It becomes very clear who does not matter to you. I think it gives you courage because I think a lot of the things that get in our way of taking action is we're afraid of the inherent discomfort of doing new things. We're afraid of the possibility that yes, we might fail. And when we're talking specifically about putting yourself out there, we're afraid about being exposed because if you put your real self out there, you will be vulnerable. And if you succeed in any meaningful way, if you look to make a big impact, you will not be to everyone's cup of tea and you will deal with pushback. You will deal with criticism. And that can be very difficult for many people, myself included, because I desperately want to please everybody because I grew up in an emotionally insecure household. But lastly, it gives you urgency. Because I think when you look at your life through the lens of your deathbed, you know that tomorrow is not promised and there's no time to waste. And I think, again, something we talk about a lot in entrepreneurship, right, is this bias for action, which I would argue is kind of good for everybody, you know? And admittedly, my personal style is to go fast, right? So I'm lucky to have people in my life, in my organization that need to pull me back a little bit because I don't know what procrastination is. Like I'm a concrastinator. Why do it tomorrow when you can go back in time and do it two weeks ago, right? So, you know, for what it's worth, I don't know how like directly actionable that is, but there is, I'll give actually a version of this that might actually be actionable for someone listening. An exercise I've done before that was recommended to me by someone while I was in a moment in my life where I was like, I'm not sure what to do next, is pretend you're on a park bench and you're 95 years old and you're writing about your life. Start writing the story of your life, including what, what's happening after this particular moment you're in, right? Because I think when you look at it through the perspective of death, when you look at the perspective of your life writ large, it's a little bit easier, I think, to see the forest for the trees and sometimes do things that are very difficult in the short term because you know that it's a very powerful long-term uh, game. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, they say that, uh, what is it, a year from now or five years from now, the only thing different about you will be the people you meet, the books you read. And right now, it's the podcast that you listen to. Today, yeah. you're Mark Fisher, and he's encouraging personal development, which... I'm always, you know, on my next Audible or my next uh, person that I want to meet so that I can talk and learn. And uh, today we're learning from you that the goal of personal development, will you say that again, is to have deathbed clarity? Uh, yes, the goal of personal development is to have deathbed clarity while you're still alive so you're actually able to do something about it. I'm paraphrasing that a little bit and that I want to attribute that. That's Tim Urban, mm -hmm. uh, who has an amazing website called Wait But Why, waitbutwhy.com. Wow. Highly recommend, full of really mind-bending thought experiments and uh, unpacking of very complicated things in w through use of cartoons. <laughs> very great website. Well, perfect timing because uh, speaking of websites, you just gave our listeners a lot. You, you took us on a journey of your life and you gave us actionable steps, you know, as things that we can do to have more of that journey of self-discovery and live our best life. If people want to follow you, if they want to engage more. We already know about going to the website for Mark Fisher Fitness. And so, yeah, if you can give those websites, any social media links, any way that people can stay in touch or get on your list and keep on getting those gems of wisdom. Yeah. You can always reach out to me at Mark at markfisherfitness.com or Mark at businessfunicorns.com. The websites for MFF is markfisherfitness.com. Businessfunicorns is businessfunicorns.com. And you can find me on social media at Mark Fisher Human Being, where I will do virtually no posting at all because I do not care, but you can message me there. Um, and you can follow the businesses if, if you're into social media. I just have other things I do with my time. <laughs> You're awesome. That's a great statement right there. Uh, 
Thank you so much. Mark, it was an honor to have you on the show yes, today. Thank you for making pleasure. time for us. Thank you. A pleasure. Honor. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Overcomers Podcast sponsored by Journey 333. When I am not hosting the Overcomers Podcast, I am working at one of our fitness franchises so that I can continue to help people overcome adversity on a daily basis. That's right. People come to the Journey 333 fitness franchises because they want a coach in their life. They want somebody to help them overcome the adversities of life, motivate them to higher levels of greatness, bring out their potential, help them lose weight, get off medications, fight depression, fight anxiety. That's what we do on a regular basis. If you feel like you want your life to be about helping more people to overcome their adversities, if you feel like you're an overcomer and you want to create more overcomers, then maybe owning a Journey 333 franchise would be for you. To find out more, go to www.journeyfitness333.com.